Good evening. Thanks for joining us tonight uh, here at Liberty Lake Church. And just to put all uh, concerned citizens at ease, yes, I am in shorts. I know that's a shocker. We are aware of it. So as you are texting us to tell us that I'm in shorts, we know. It's Thank a, you for it's helping. It's not a shock. It's just it, scary. Yeah, it's it's really, <laughs> but if you look at the rest of the day, it makes a ton of sense that I was in shorts because it was beautiful out. Yeah. And, uh, and, and so it just makes a ton of sense. Um, I'm also wearing my Ford shirt tonight because we're going to talk a little bit about showing preference and, and how we oftentimes get messed up and divided over things that really don't concern the kingdom whatsoever. Uh, and they don't honor the Lord. So I'm providing an opportunity for many of you uh, to work on your own uh, spiritual opportunity for growth and not not showing partiality to me today, loving me in spite of my passion for Ford and your passion for other sinful vehicles. So... <laughs> Uh, that's a joke, and and hopefully you'll you'll hang out with us a little bit longer too to see where we go in the text. Uh, we are glad to have you here. Um, we just want to say thank you so much for the generous gifts. The our food bank is full. I want you to know that uh, Julie's actually contacted other local food banks looking for people that we can help. Um, and right now the local food banks in our area are plumb full of food. They say that the the community has stepped up in a huge way to care for them, and none of them are lacking in food right now as we are not. So thank you so much uh, for your gracious generosity and uh, just the incredible work that the church is doing to step up and care for people and, and be available on that. Um, we have a couple of services coming up. Uh, you be sure to to join me at 10 o'clock Monday, uh, or actually just be Thursday this week. I've already done Monday. That one's gone, so you can't be there now. Um, and then uh, next Sunday at 10 o'clock, we'll be here um, live on the YouTube and, and whatever media you're watching us now. Um, and then youth group is at 530 on Sunday nights. You can jump on and join us there, and uh, we're, we're glad to have you. So anything that you can think of, I'm I'm not sure if I've got it all. Normally, I have somebody else give me cue cards, and and yeah. I'm I'm blank tonight because I. No, we'll, we'll find out more on when we can open yeah, we'll, back up and how yeah, yeah, yeah. and Absolutely. how we're going to do that. And we're watching that. Fun. We're watching that real careful and and looking up. and talking about how we're going to address those things um, as that happens and as we anticipate getting to be back together, so that you guys can actually enjoy all the laughter and the goofy stuff that happens here on a Sunday morning that. Uh, we're exercising every time we gather, so it's pretty good stuff. But uh, glad to have you, and really appreciate you joining us today. Would you uh, join us as we sing a couple of songs, and our uh, music team leads us this evening? Won't you join us with Here I Am to Worship? together lovely 
much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. I'll never know how much it cost to see my sin upon that cross. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God, you're all together. Together worthy, all together wonderful to me. So here I am to worship, here I am to bow down, here I am to say that you're my God. You're all together lovely, all together worthy. Altogether wonderful to me. Wonderful to me. Join us as we sing All That I Am.
Thank you guys. Thank you team. And uh, again, thanks for joining us tonight. Uh, pretty excited about the text uh, this evening. Uh, it just It's one of the things that is amazing to me as we make plans and we schedule this stuff is how God at times takes a text that we're dealing with on Sunday or a situation that we're dealing with on another week and he brings them all in alignment to have them support one another and, mm-hmm. and everything from from the music that the worship team's chosen to uh, supporting text actually lining up and we have that exact scenario tonight where the last two weeks on Sunday we've talked about the rich young ruler and, and how difficult it is to get into the kingdom and the blessing that the body ends up being, this this beautiful blessing, this hundredfold blessing. When we when we put all of that stuff out, when we when we deny ourselves all of that and we leave all of that behind, in the kingdom of God, we receive this hundredfold blessing. And the body's part of that. The the brotherhood of the church, bro, the brothers and sisters of the church, are part of that blessing. And so we have two weeks of that on Sunday, and now we get to this passage in James, and James is really calling the church out on this particular issue of how they're treating one another. And what a beautiful um, orchestration of God to have these things line up this way and for us to get to be here and to do this tonight. So are you excited about it? I am yeah, actually. Yeah, I felt pretty convicted it, about it, so I was mixed on the excitement with conviction. Yeah, it's. Uh, I don't mind getting beat up. Right. So <laughs> yeah, that seems to be to one it. of the <laughs> seems one of one of the requirements if you want to preach yeah. in this church. It's kind of like line up for the. <clears throat> anyway, all right. So uh, let's begin by jumping into James chapter two. You should find your Bibles and go with us here. Find uh, get your Bibles out. Follow along. James chapter two, starting in verse one, and and Craig's going to read for us through thirteen. Correct. Correct. So James two one through thirteen, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith in our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wearing a gold ring and fine clothing comes into your assembly, and a poor man in shabby clothing also comes in, and if you pay attention to the one who wears the fine clothing and say, you sit here in a good place, while you say to the poor man, you stand over there, or sit down at my feet, have you not then made distinctions among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Listen, my beloved brothers, Has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Are not the rich the ones who oppress you and the ones who drag you into court? Are they not the ones who blaspheme the honorable name by which you were called? If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scriptures, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You are doing well. 
But if you show partiality, you are committing sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of all of it. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak and so act as those who are judged under the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy uh, to one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Wow, it, it, we are acknowledging there's a ton in this passage. So uh, if, if, if we don't get to all of it, uh, you know, you'll have to forgive us. This one is just hard to get through all of these pieces. So mm-hmm. our hope is tonight uh, to go through and kind of grab the big picture, the, the, some of the main points of what the text is, is challenges on, and, and hopefully you'll experience some conviction, hopefully some, uh, some compassion, and, and maybe um, even God directing you to say, I can, I can live differently. I can I can actually uh, uh, see this area in my life and and live differently. The, um, but the first thing that we see is that James says, "Don't show any partiality," right? Yes. And what I, I thought it was interesting, we were talking about this. What is he pointing out? What's the issue that he's pointing out in their culture? Well, there's obviously they are deferring to the rich, and when we look at our culture, and we <clears throat> defer to those say in Hollywood. Or, or those kinds of things, those who appear successful. Um, and our tendency is then to take this passage and say, then I should defer to the poor. But he's not saying that at all. Right. He's saying, don't defer to either one. Right. It's no, no partiality. It doesn't matter. We're all equal. And the real challenge here, right, is asking the question, how are we showing partiality? Because mm-hmm. it, it's not like this particular group of believers were especially sinful. Um, they had human hearts with human problems, just like we do. Mm-hmm. And so we, we were kind of laughing about it. We, there, there's the potential to show partiality, um, right? Because I'm a Ford fan, and, and uh, it still has—I haven't gotten over the time that I referenced and confessed. I was confessing a bad attitude about a RAV4, and that stuck with me for almost two years. People still think <laughs> I hate Toyotas. <laughs> I don't. I love Toyotas if they're properly sliced up in the junkyard. Um, okay, that's a joke, people. That's a joke. But it's so easy for us to take those kind of things. I mean, I think there's more real kinds of partiality, real mm-hmm. kinds uh, of deferring or preferring people over one another that we do even in our local church here. Um, it, it, it can go anywhere from music to, to how we dress Mm-hmm. On a Sunday, um, I mean, I, I don't know if we do rich and poor here, but if somebody walks in and, and it is in dirty clothes and, and kind of rough, how do we respond to them? There are times where I think we may not even realize that we are judging them, that, that mm-hmm. we're so accustomed to it, that it just is a natural um, response when we see people that are different than us or, or dealing with life differently than us. You know, I've actually seen that. Um, surprisingly, with parents that have lots of kids and parents that have few kids in the church, Mm -hmm. where people actually look down their noses at one another based on how they, what they're doing as far as children, or homeschooling, or not homeschooling their kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, we've seen all of that stuff as being uh, situations for division and for the church to treat one another poorly. And James seems to think that's a bad deal. Uh, Yes, he does. And and Why? He says it right here, right? It well, it's it's selfishness, it's idolatry, it's uh, it's 
who is our God? Who should yeah. we fear? For some reason, I mean, the partiality comes down to a lot of times us fearing others. So we want to look good to other people. Well, uh, we need to pay attention to how we look to God. Yeah. And he tells us. Well, and it should help as you age. Um, I, I feel like as we get older, we should be less partial. We really should, because yes. yeah. we've seen more life. We've understood. We understand the differences. We've we've recognized our own uh, more of our own failures, more of our own inadequacies. Our bodies begin to fail. We're, we have less to be proud of, um, as far as what we can do physically, and and mm-hmm. uh, those they, they, we hurt more. All of those things should bring us to a more a, a more gracious understanding of one another and, and a more generous, uh, merciful relationship with one another. That should be part of how how we're how we're seen. And I think one of the main reasons is, is because it's the character of God. Mm-hmm. It's not just that he says, don't do this because it doesn't work out very well in the church. It's because it's his, it is actually his nature to be merciful. It's his character uh, to not show partiality. And I love that about this particular text because he, he's actually pointing out the equality of their value. Because mm-hmm. you, you were referencing this. He's not saying lower your view of the rich people. Mm-mm. Or, or, but, but he's really challenging the believers at this church because they're, they really are in sin on this one issue. He's saying, you need to raise their value. You need to, you need to treat them as equals to those who have money. Yeah, and we do it all the time, and we, we like to divide. So we say, we, we take this passage and we change it and say, well, then I need to take care of the poor. Right. I mean, yes, we do, but we need to take, it's both. Yeah. And that's, we yep. like to divide. I mean, and we're in a, a time period in in history where we're constantly being made to try and pick a side. Yep. And there, there isn't a side. And I kind of get it a little bit, you know, being in the church, mm-hmm. in the church racket, um, as we are. Uh, the people with money give. Right. Yeah. Typically. And 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 so, unfortunately, in the in the selfish, fleshly heart of the church, it's easy for us to get distracted by that and somehow think that those are the, those are the people that that we should really focus on. In fact, it's the business mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, I know churches, and and uh, we've actually had sales pitches here from companies trying to teach us how to target those people and to get them to give more. It's a business philosophy that they actually use to educate churches on how to get more money into their church. Mm-hmm. There's books written on it. What? <laughs> Isn't yeah. the, doesn't the Bible say God does the providing? But wait, that's a different sermon. We're not on that tonight. We don't, we don't have time for this. <laughs> no, we um, don't. <laughs> let's stay focused on what we're doing. So here, here's the real question, right? If God values the rich and the poor equally, if God values all of us equally, then one of the questions that I have is, do we pick and choose who we love in the church? This is dramatic pause for you to wrestle with that question. Do we pick and choose who we love? We do. Should that, we? No. Yeah, the answer yeah. is yes, we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and I don't think we do it. I honestly don't think, well, okay, now we could be getting into dangerous ground. I honestly don't think initially we come into church and we go, okay, I'm, I'm going ma- to find the five people I like the most, and they're the only people getting my time. I, I don't think we do that. But let's just be honest, you guys, after we're at church for a while, we figure out who we really want to hang out with, don't we? I mean, we, we figure out who the cool people are, who we're comfortable with, who talks like us, who puts up with us, who thinks we're funny, whatever that is, we find out who they are and we gravitate towards them. 
It's mm-hmm. just the natural way of the human heart. It, it is normal. But I don't think it's godly. I, I don't think it honors the Lord. In fact, when we talk about the Lord, we see a picture from Paul in Ephesians 4 that talks about who, how God sees the church, right? How, mm-hmm. how he kind of views this whole thing. Let me, let me read that for you. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Let me get there. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, verse 1 says this. I, therefore a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to the one hope that belongs to your call. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Paul seems to think that there's this one God that is building one body that's supposed to have unity and we're to extend peace and be patiently loving one another and long-suffering with one another and, and, and living in this almost a utopian kind of a place where, I don't know, I put other people's preferences and needs in front of my own. Yeah, it... Uh... <laughs> it's a little convicting. For some reason, we seem to think it's all about us, but it's really all about him. Yeah, and then, <laughs> and then when you start reading the verses that convict you about stuff, you realize, wait, that verse is all about me. <laughs> Man, that stinks. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so back to my question, do we pick and choose who we love? Yeah, we do. And I don't know, again, I don't know that we do it in an in a intentional manner, but I think when we see it, we should deal with it. When we realize that that's how we're living, according to James, it looks like it's a pretty serious thing, and we should probably engage in dealing with that. Because in this process, he, he then begins, I, I love, we were talking about earlier, and I love how he uses really in this. It, it, when he starts talking about the law and how they're going to fulfill the law and how they're going to how they're going to mm-hmm. do this particular thing, as, as he begins to give us this illustration of what it looks like for us to really be loving, to really live as God did without showing partiality, to be the church, right? And and uh, where does he do that? It's in. Did I miss anything in in verse? Uh, well, we we really aren't looking at. Um, I was talking about in order to fulfill the royal law. Right. And I think that was that was fascinating to me because what he's talking about, and he, he mentioned, says, love your neighbor as yourself. That's the royal law, and it, the royal being from and belonging to the sovereign. Right. Who is Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And he says in Matthew 22, uh, 37 to 40, he says, and, and Jesus said to him. We actually um, have that. Oh, we do have that. Yeah, we, but okay. I remember I did 34. You I, did 34, I that's verses, right. Sorry. So we had 34. So but look I'm at that, go, we're ahead. We're, we, we're actually there. <laughs> So we'll go to Matthew. You guys are on it tonight. Uh, they, uh, they're amazing. Uh, Matthew 22, as I look up to see where we're going. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you got to do that because I... Uh, I know. So if you'll turn in your Bibles, just like I'm doing. It's right there on so, the screen. <laughs> yeah, it is. <laughs> so here we go. <laughs> Matthew 22, 34. Uh, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a lawyer, Ask him a question to test him. Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? 
And he said to them, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the great and first commandment. And a second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments depend all the law and the prophets. And what, what's fascinating about that is you'll notice that James doesn't talk about loving God in there. Uh-huh. It's assumed that everyone thinks they love God. Yeah. But what he's saying is you demonstrate your love for God by how you love your neighbor. Yeah, right? He, he's actually, he's probably, my guess is he's correct, correcting the profession of faith that they're making mm-hmm. when, and they don't have the, the follow-up, the, the actual fruit being produced and how they're loving one another. Yeah, you talk about it, but show but me not how you do it. it. And James is full of that. Don't tell me about it. Do it. Yeah. We were talking about that earlier. It really is the idea of Christians have to be, to be a Christian. There mm-hmm. should there's some dues that go with it. Yes, and not because the the dues aren't um, that's they're the outcome of being. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, faith that is that is functioning has action and movement. It, it's it's going to be moving. It's going to be um, expressing itself and moving. And what's interesting about the passage in Matthew that you just looked at is that in Luke, we actually see a bigger, a, a more complete story of that because the, the Pharisees were trying to trap him. The lawyer was trying to trap Jesus. And when he said, love God and love your neighbor as yourself, he thought he had him. He was like, I gotcha. And he turns to the Lord and he asks him, and this is in uh, Luke chapter 10, uh, verses 25 through 27, uh, 37. And he says, so who's my neighbor? expecting to have trapped Jesus. And then with the Good Samaritan story, Jesus completely turns their whole system of how they're treating one another, how they're treating the Samaritans, what they think they're doing as good for God, how they think they're behaving as godly men in in that particular culture. He turns it all upside down. And he says that the people that you hate Mm -hmm. are loving me better than you. Because likely in that crowd were a bunch of Gentiles that were listening in. And so he's thinking, you know, my neighbor is my Jewish friend and not these Gentiles. And Jesus takes it even farther and goes and says, the Samaritan shows better neighborliness. And these are the ones that they hated. Yeah. And so when it comes to us, who's our neighbor? He's really saying we have no enemies. Everybody's our neighbor. Yeah. And so how we treat those that don't think like we do, that don't act like we do, that aren't in the same circles we do, cut us off on the freeway that dri- <laughs> that drive different hey, cars. Hey, that well, was him this well, <laughs> week, not me. I just want to point that out. I confessed mine this morning. This is Craig's moment. Oh man, yeah. So and and I, I mean I remember talking with my wife about these very things as we're yep. driving down the road and I get and I have a truck that gets you know and I had some choice words for the truck and it's like okay, well it's so it's so quick. And, oh man. And our focus is it's so easy to do that. Yep. So So I don't drive a focus anymore. <laughs> there you go. Come on, that was pretty good. <laughs> you guys. Oh my goodness. This is oh, a rough my. crowd, yeah, I okay. gotta tell you. Let's move to the next point. Let's move uh, on. You know, <laughs> it's actually the next point is one of the ones that really, really is hard for me. It's this is one of the ones that's such a challenge because James says that if you if you fail in one part, you fail in the whole thing. He's mm-hmm. basically going back to what the disciples were dealing with with the rich young ruler. 
It's impossible. If this is the case, if this is how salvation works, if this is what it means to be a disciple, then who can be saved? Mm-hmm. And they're baffled by this because of they recognize how significant, how difficult this is to accomplish. And James is not letting up. He's not letting us off the hook. Mm-mm. He says, if you're going to disregard this, if you're going to fail in this one area as you're trying to fulfill the royal law, you're guilty of the whole thing. There, there's not, there's not a, uh, I was, we were laughing about this. Is there a curve to this? I mean, is there a way to get in be, based on generally better behavior than everybody else? And that, the reality is that that's not the case. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the passages that we're going to look at here in just a minute, we're actually going to be in Romans, you guys. It's so exciting because don't you just love Romans? I mean, it is like, it's like taking the boxing glove off and letting the boxer actually punch you right in the mm-hmm. face with some of these things. It, it's, it is a spiritual, um, furnace that you that you get put into when you start reading this stuff and it, it, in just a moment we're going to read Romans 2 1 through 11 but as we were preparing for that as I was reading that passage this week he keeps talking about Paul keeps talking about these things these same things the things that you were doing before the stuff that you're judging them on you are doing yourself and I thought well okay I gotta go back and look and see what the things are so that I got I got a right perspective on that. So when we come to this idea of judged under the law of liberty, uh, you you need to look at we're going to take a second look at them right now. What the things are that Paul's saying these Roman Christians are still doing or were doing that they're judging other people for. Look at what the text says, uh, Romans chapter one, uh, verses twenty eight through thirty two. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, disobedient to parents, disobedient... Oh, sorry. Whoa. Uh. What happened right there? (laughs) Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such thing deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to them who practices them. One of the things that, that you and I pointed, noticed as we were getting ready tonight was that James actually turns around murder and adultery. Mm-hmm. He does, yeah. He, he turns takes... that around and he says, although you don't commit adultery, which we know Jesus was dealing with them mm-hmm. having significant adulterous affairs. I mean, he spoke about the, the way in which they were violating the, the marriage uh, uh, covenant that he established, taking advantage mm-hmm. of the divorce certificate from Moses and violating the whole, pr- the whole principle. So adultery was a common pattern for them in this particular time, especially think about all the, all of the, the sexual sins of, the, of that area in the Gentiles. And James flips that around and he goes, so you don't commit adultery, but you kill somebody. You're guilty. Because yeah, what's the, the, you know, as humans, what do we do? We say, well, I, at least I didn't murder him. Right. You know, because that's the worst. We think that's, yeah. But no, he flips it. He flips it. And I think he does it on purpose because what they are doing, he's saying, even if you don't do that, you're still going to kill somebody. And you can't read this passage, right? We, you can't ever read adultery and murder and not go back to what Jesus says in Matthew, Matthew 5. 
where, where he says that if you look at a woman to lust after her, you committed adultery. If you hate your brother, you're guilty of murder. And so it's the action of the heart that God's addressing here. So when you read through some of those things in Romans, and he sets you up in Romans because he, he starts totally off through the Romans 1, and by the time you get done, you go, yeah, those worthless those people. Heathens. Those heathens. Those and sinners. then he starts in chapter 2 and says, therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you, the judge, practice the very same thing. Mm. Might as well keep going. I think we have that through 11. Okay. Uh, we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O oh man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. And now I have to find where I continued on. Oh, there we go. He will render to each one according to his works to those who by patience in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. Uh, but for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be a tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first, and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good, the Jew first, and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. It's, it's almost like Paul and James were, were sitting together talking about God's principles on this, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, because James is making it incredibly clear that if we live in a way where we're not extending mercy to other people, the same mercy that God's extended to us, he says that at our judgment, we won't receive that mercy. He's basically going to judge us the same way we've judged, judged one another, the same way that we have, have uh, drawn distinction between one another. Mm -hmm. I got to be honest which I try to be all the time, which is just, it's weird to say that. I'm working on not saying I'm being honest because do I tell you when I'm not being honest? It's like, hey, I'm not going to tell you the truth right now, so <laughs> I don't know why we say I'm going to be honest. Anyway, that's a whole it's other emphasis. sermon. That's a whole other thing. But the reality is is that I, I don't particularly like this passage in the sense that it genuinely confronts my own biases, my own preferences, my own particular um, tendency to prefer certain people and, and to prefer not to be around other people. We, we, were, um, we were talking about it at the elder meeting last night and, and how this church is really poorly designed to avoid people because um, <laughs> there's only one way through. And mm -hmm. so the only way to really do it is either go out into the weather or go down into the dungeon which we're making into a really nice room. It's a fireside room. We've got all kinds of stuff fixed, new chairs, paint, TVs. We've done a lot, so people that get stuck down there during our reopening, it it's, won't be bad, I promise. But the reality is, is that it's, it's easy for, for me, and I'm just being honest again, um, it's easy for me to have preferences in people, to, to not, I don't know that I, I don't know that I hate people, um, but there will be times where I'll try to avoid 
certain people. I mean, it hasn't happened here at this church, no. but every other church I've been at. I, seriously, you guys, isn't that part of how we function? When we look at these texts, when we examine our hearts in light of how God sees us, how God sees sin, there should be part of us that, that takes a little bit of a stumble right here and says, okay, Lord, you got to show me in my heart what, what that is. Maybe a lot of a stumble. Maybe like a big, like a flat full, on the face. fall to your face and, and plead for the Lord to, to examine our hearts and show us what, what we're seeing. I know um, we don't have it in the text, but um, Psalm 19 really grabbed my heart this mm-hmm. week. Um, one particular passage, I don't have it to the, te- to the tech team, so uh, you guys are going to have to just pull out your own Bibles and, and look this up. But I, I love David's response um, to his life. When he sees God for who he is, when he recognizes the Word of God, he, he talks about sin in this really unique way. Um, it's Psalm 19, verses 12 and 13. He says, who, and 14, I'll, I'll read all three of them, but he says, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from hidden faults. So David David acknowledges that he's struggling with this particular area. I, I think we could, if we were to be completely honest with ourselves, we could say we struggle in not showing partiality in our church, in our culture, in our, wow, they got the, the scripture up. That's incredible. Um, but we have a hard time not showing partiality. Mm-hmm. It, whether it's political or personal. But here, look at what David says. Who can discern his errors? Who, who can actually see the hidden faults? So he says, declare me innocent from hidden faults. Then he says, keep back your servant also from p- presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. This idea of presuming on God's grace, which we see mm-hmm. in Romans chapter mm-hmm. 2 right there, that we somehow think he's going to extend us grace while we're committing the same sins we're judging other people for doing. Oh, yes. That, that's this idea of presumptuous or arrogant sins. We're presuming that God's going to give where, us a pass. And that's where he talks about us being judged under the law of liberty. Yeah, Because the law of liberty says he's not judging us. He has the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ has taken care of it. But are we also giving that to others? Yeah, exactly. That's the problem. And that's what I love. I love his, the finish of that passage, verse 14. It says this, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Um, and that, that was my conviction all this week. That's been my conviction as I, as I uh, confessed on, on the video the, on our morning coffee time this morning about um, the, the, the words that came out of my mouth when, when, that, when I had the incident with that guy in the motorcycle um, yesterday afternoon, recognizing how unfit they were to be in the presence of my Savior. And yet it was, it's what came out of my mouth. And it, it happened. I mean, the, the craziest part for me was when I went back. This is how good it is, you guys. I went back to get the video out of my car because I have my car records video. So I went back to get the video because I was going to make sure that this guy got posted in the neighborhood watch thing so people could watch out for this creep. And I'm watching the video, and I heard the words come out of my mouth on the video, and I didn't actually realize what I had said. Mm. until I heard him. And I, I, I was just, I was dumbfounded for a moment because 
I think when we get into these kind of things, when we start looking at Romans, we start looking at this idea of partiality, this idea of a dealing with the, the, the selfish, self-focused idolatry of our hearts, and that's what partiality is. That, that's what James is dealing with in the church. If we're professing to be believers, but we're mistreating our brothers and sisters in the Lord, we don't know God. It's the ultimate partiality is that I'm much more partial to myself than anyone else. Yeah. Ugh. Uh, the idolatry yeah. of our heart is really rampant and bad. Yeah. And it's so easy for us to get yeah. there. So easy for us to it's land in that yeah. spot. Yeah. Well, I, you know, I, I don't know. I think we got through more than I thought we were going to. Probably <laughs> because um, I had that milkshake earlier and I thought I was supposed to. I don't know. Um, I did this have has been a gr- coffee earlier oh, too, awesome. so I think that helped. <laughs> this has been a great discussion. I think it's been it's been one of it's been one that's been very challenging. Mm-hmm. And I, again, I love I love how it's connected to Sunday. It's connected to the 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 rich young ruler. It's connected to the blessing of the church. How we see one another. How we treat one another. How how we respond to God's grace in our lives and extend it to other people. The real question is, how are we going to respond to this? Word of God in our lives in the remaining days and weeks of this month and next month. Well, and one of the things that brings that came to light for me was that you know he says in Mark nine thirty five that if anyone would be first, he must be last of all, servant of all. It's it's really our job to be in competition with one another to see who can be the least, yep. the the least recognized, the the one who is constantly looking for ways to help other people out to be the servant of all to totally wear ourselves out to the to be a servant yep and not in a way it or do it in a way that nobody notices to a certain extent yeah it's at yeah. least we shouldn't be recognizing ourselves so right. but we always puff up i am i am the most humble person that there is no you i'm know? i'm a little more <laughs> humble <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> it, it it really is. I mean mm-hmm. that, that that's exactly the point. And it it the problem is that it's completely contrary to my heart. To yes. I shouldn't oh, say yeah. it. It's completely contrary to my flesh. Yes. Because as God gives us a new heart when we become his, um, actually that's what we were looking at in the Psalms this morning, is that it's the desire of our heart, and the contrast to that, the conflicting part of that is the desire of my flesh. Mm -hmm. And it wars against that. It wars against the purposes of the Spirit, and and therefore I find myself in conflict. I find myself in conflict in how I love the, the body, how I love people that are different than me, how I die to myself and I serve others when I'm exhausted or tired or I don't want to. Mm-hmm. or I'm selfish, which is most of the time that I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the real harsh reality yeah. of who we are, um, and it's who God's changing us from. And so, um, I, you know, I think one of the dangers in this process is that we would actually take this time, we would take this and we would look at it and we say, yeah, that's, that's right. Man, that's good. And then we fold our Bibles and we put it down and we are the men in the mirror that James talks about earlier that see the word of God. Mm-hmm. And we turn around and we forget who we were in the mirror and we become hearers and not doers of the word. And I just want to encourage us as believers um, to be doers. Mm-hmm. So hang around with us for just a few minutes after uh, the, this last song. I've got a couple of closing thoughts and um, 
I'll dismiss you guys to go to your family lives. Won't you join us with our final song, Oceans?
Thank you guys. Thanks again for joining us tonight. Uh, I, I just want to share a, a little bit about um, just part of what's going through my heart as, as we do all this stuff. I hope you guys know it's not comfortable for me to acknowledge uh, when I blow it. That, I, it's, not a, it's not a personal thing for Shane to run around telling everybody all of his sin. Um, that whole thing about confessing your sins to one another, uh, the reason that I share what I share when I'm doing the stuff that I'm doing is because my hope is that as you watch myself and, and others who get up here and, and, and do this, that you will find the encouragement and the inspiration and the freedom to find someone in your life that you can talk with and, and the, that you can confess your, the sins to that are, that are holding you or that, are, that have got you trapped and, and held uh, in those things, because it's in the darkness, it's when we hide these things and, and we keep them covered up that they grow. Uh, it's when the light is shown on them that they are actually exposed and, and they can be dealt with. And so uh, the reason I share, it, it, it's, it's so that you would be encouraged, like I am, to, to share with others what God's doing, what He's convicting of us of, so that we will change, and, and we will grow and mature in that. And so as we think about showing no partiality, as we think about not judging other people for the same things that we're doing, I really want to challenge you to take that seriously tonight. To, to ask yourself, to ask the Lord, God, what, what am I doing in this area? How am, I, how am I mistreating your body, the body of Christ? And how would you help how would you uh, help me and, and how would you have me to make a change in that perspective and to change how I'm treating other people? I believe that the best way forward as we're doing this is to actually be honest about where we're struggling, to, to acknowledge that we do have this tendency to be idolaters in our heart, to do what we like, to think about our needs, our preferences, our views, and to put them forward in front of other people and, and, and expect others to be okay with ours. It's kind of what frustrates me about the whole political system is that is that if you if you have a different opinion right now it's 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 almost uh, there's some kind of hostility to it if we don't agree and unfortunately the church has become very similar to that 
even when it comes to biblical truths uh, that, that can be debated. I get it. There are some that, that aren't, that we're not going to move on, but there are some that, that we can interact with and disagree on, like the color of the pews. That's a small joke. We don't have pews. But there's been people that have split in the church over that. There's people that hate one another within the church because of those kind of things. I remember growing up, it was, it was um, drums in the church, and then it was, can you play the guitar on stage? At one point, it was, can you, have, can you, can you actually have uh, the songs projected with an overhead? Do you guys know what an overhead is? Some of you do. Some of you are teachers. And you put those things on backwards, and what a mess you had. Man, we fought over that. There were times where people left angry over those kind of things, and I don't believe that honors the Lord. So as we think about in our own lives, in our own home, in this church, in this place, how are we treating one another? Is it with the mercy and the grace and the love that we want God to extend to us? Or are we like Romans 2, where Paul's convicting the church and saying, don't don't be judging others for what you're doing. Don't assume that God's mercy, which is intended to cause you to repentance, to bring you to repentance. Don't assume that you're going to get off scot-free because you're doing the same thing you're judging others for. What a, what a significant confrontation, if you will, to the complacency of a selfish believer. I shared with you that I have my own reality of the, the, the darkness of my heart that, that jumped out. I think it's in Luke chapter 6 that it says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Romans, the end of Romans chapter 1, uh, the, the passage right before we, uh, that we finished on, I think we looked at last uh, week or two ago, uh, says that the man uh, who thinks he's religious but doesn't control his tongue, his religion is worthless. I had to go to the Lord with that because of something that I saw come up out of my heart. I want to encourage you to do the same. Find somebody that you can share this with. Find somebody that, that you can build relationship and trust them to hold you accountable, to, to engage in this and to confess our sins to one another. I promise, well, I can't promise this, but you won't have to get on camera and share yours. At least most of you won't. There may be a couple. They have to. Poor Craig got ousted tonight. But the reality is, is that God is in the business of restoring and forgiving sin. And I believe we should really take a hard look this evening and ask ourselves, how are we treating the church? Are we really fulfilling the law of liberty? Love God and love your neighbor as yourselves. I believe that it is our heart to do so. But we... Uh, would probably have to honestly say, God, we are falling short in, in really loving one another as you've called us to do. May God bless you tonight as you consider this, as you wrestle with this, as, as maybe you stop and pray uh, that prayer out of Psalm uh, 19, verse 14. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable to you, Lord. Close with me in prayer, would you? God, would you oversee our hearts? Would you reveal in us 
where our hearts are black, where our hearts ha- have sin, and, and where our flesh is warring against the, the Spirit, the, the desire of the Spirit, and the work of the Spirit in our lives. God, we want to be your church. We want to live and honor you and faithfully serve you. And I just pray, Lord, that tonight you would continue to replace my heart of stone with the heart of flesh, one that beats after your desires, one that longs for your purposes and your character and your will to be done. I thank you for this wonderful church. I thank you for the privilege that it is to serve in this body, to be part of this family, because it is a great privilege. And I, am, I know, God, I, that, that my bride and I are very blessed to be here and to be part of this church. But God, we don't want to be complacent and we don't want to sit and, and be stagnant. We want to continue to grow. We want to continue to be transformed to be more like our Savior, your Son, our Messiah, Jesus. So do that work in each heart that is represented. Do that work in each heart that, that joins us at some point, maybe watches this later. God, I just pray that you would transform us into who it is you've designed us to be. We love you and praise you, and you give you all the glory for anything that you do. It is yours and yours alone, and God, we want to surrender to your will. So we give you that, uh, that glory, we give you the praise tonight, and we ask you to do all that you have intended to do in each of our lives. In your name, amen. God bless you guys. We will see you next time. Have a great evening.